1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast. We are diving headfirst, finally, into the 2021 NFL Draft with our yearly 10 gem special, focusing on our 10 kind of favorite offensive prospects in this class. Before we get into all that, though, my wonderful co-host EJ, somewhere in that direction, is over here, buddy. How you doing tonight? And uh, what are you drinking? I'm good. This is one of my favorite episodes. We did this last year.
0: It was pretty tremendous. Uh, Super happy to be doing it again. Uh, So much fun to be diving into this draft class. A ton of talent. And to enjoy that, I have a Uinta Brewing's Baba Black Lager uh, out of Utah, um, Salt Lake City. And it's about, uh, what do they say, five and a half by volume um it's got a nice flavor to it this is the last one of the six pack which i saved because i had not yet had it on the pod um but looking forward to it this is a tremendously fun episode what'd you bring to drink
1: so it's it's saint patrick's week so i wanted to get a little bit festive with my heritage here (laughs) busted out the red breast 12 a little bit of irish whiskey can't go through mid-march without celebrating your people's water as you like to say so i'm pouring myself a little bit of red breast and not gonna lie tonight's gonna be a long one for me because not only are we doing two podcasts but i'm recording two film rooms as well and i'm <laughs> making cocktails for that so if i can even get to bed tonight functional i'll consider that a win what's but
0: what's the fourth one <laughs> uh.
1: I mean, let's see. So I'm doing red breast, and then I'll probably do some sort of bourbon for the next one that we're doing back to back, and then I'm doing Calvados old fashion and then I'm doing oh god, I think it's a Boulevardier, which is like a mix of like brandy and rye and. I meant what was the fourth and, piece of content, but that was what I was
0: looking for as a judge oh, of quality. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's long night for me. Long night for me, but. Uh, EJ, why don't you kind of tell the audience, if they're new to the show, what our 10 Gems episodes are all about here?
0: Yeah, so we hatched this idea last year as not necessarily uh, the best or the flashiest or the most popular players in the draft, because you'll hear about those players a lot. Um, the top 50, top 100 players, you're going to hear about those players a lot from just about every outlet. Um, We're digging a little bit deeper. Some of the players on this list are absolutely going to be top 50 or top 100, but some of them are a little bit farther down the board. And it's players with a great skill who might have some untapped potential. Maybe they didn't get used in their system very well in college. Um, Or players we just like watching. Players that when we were watching somebody else, they drew our eye on tape and we just couldn't take our eyes off them. And we kept making notes about them, even though we should have been making notes about somebody else. Those are the kind of guys that end up on this list. Um, so you'll see some guys at the top of the board for sure, some guys in the middle, maybe a guy down the board or two. Um, but we did this last year. 14,000 people checked in on YouTube between the offensive and defensive gems episodes. So we absolutely wanted to do it again. Uh, we had a ton of fun. It was really, I don't know about you, it was really hard this year. Like I, the offensive yeah. deliberation, especially. I killed myself. I We were going to do it three or four days ago, and I was like, I can't. I'm not ready. I, I just can't <laughs> pick five. And I still came up with an honorable mention category so I could kind of cheat at the end and talk about guys that didn't make the list. But there's just so much talent up and down the board offensively this year in the draft that it was really challenging to choose. There's lots of guys, sleepers, guys up high. Um, I think we got a nice mix, but it was really hard.
1: Especially, you know, offensive line and receiver I mean, if you try to only have one or two, it's like how how can you possibly pick? I mean, even just the senior bowl guys alone, let alone the underclassmen, it's it, it's it's astonishingly loaded, historically loaded, not just at At receiver, but also at offensive line too, and we're coming off of a really good offensive line class. So and
0: a really good wide receiver and a really good receiver. As we talked about that last year, people who go back and watch last year's episode, we're going to be talking about that historic wide receiver class with Judy and Rugs and CD Lamb. Oh, it's amazing! It's the best class ever, and we weren't the only people saying that. Daniel Jeremiah was saying, "I think this is the best class of receivers I've ever scouted," and I'll tell you what, I think this year's class is actually better, and that's a hell of a statement, but. Having done twenty five ish receivers now, there is value all over the place. And the top is just as strong, if not a little bit
1: stronger right at the top. So it's I would say it's both it's crazy. I, I think yeah. the top end is better and the depth is better. Cause you know, last year, six and seven deep, we were looking at like I can't speak for everybody, but at least my six and seven was like Donovan Peoples Jones and um who's the kid that we love that went to Denver, uh KJ Hamler. Like that was like six and seven range. This year, six and seven is like the Moors, Rondale and Elijah, who we're both highlighting in this episode. Who I think both of them are better players than both of the number six and seven last year. So it, not only is is it tackle and garden center, it's receiver as well. That's just historically loaded. So we'll jump into those here. Each one of us has five gems of varying position, varying draft stock, varying you know fits and everything like that it's just guys that we really enjoyed we'll kind of bounce back and forth here uh my number five he's somebody who i think has been getting a lot more respect over the last few weeks kind of and you can almost tell like when people watch the texas game because then (laughs) they immediately have to tweet out oh my god this guy's amazing myself included like when i first saw the texas oklahoma state game when you watch tevin jenkins You know, drive Joseph Osai, who's going to be a top 50 pick himself, into the first row of the bleachers. You know, when you see all the pancakes he was getting, you know, two of them on one snap simultaneously towards the end of that game. Like, he is the meanest, nastiest, uh, most violent offensive lineman in this draft class, and it's not recklessly violent or nasty. It's 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 like controlled. Chaos. His his first step is really good. Second and third step are kind of average. Like he's not like a Tristan Wirfs or a Jedrick Wills where it like it explodes and then maintains in his kick set. But the first step is good enough. His hand placement and just overall hand usage is phenomenal. He uses independent hands. He's not just constantly shooting both of them and getting swiped away. Like he really knows how to like flash and then pull and kind of bait guys into going in. And then he'll use what's called a trap technique to just kind of get them over their toes and on the ground. Um, he, he's so technically sound, so nasty, so strong. Like to me, and this is, it kind of ruffled some feathers, not going to lie, but it, it just, it is what it is. He had a better tape grade for me than Tristan Wirfs last year. And I had Tristan Wirfs as a top eight pick to the Cardinals, I believe. So he's that good. He's not the level of athlete Wirfs as it is. No. Nobody's saying that. But in terms of just what he does on tape, He's a guy that starts from day one at a high level from day one. And I wouldn't be surprised if within the first two or three years here, he's getting all pro consideration. I truly believe that. Yeah, we should tell everybody
0: we had to Rochambeau for this one because <laughs> Tevin Jenkins was about a month ago I tweeted out that I wanted Tevin Jenkins before everybody had watched the Texas game that I wanted Tevin Jenkins to be Bobby's Mas- Bobby Massey's replacement in Chicago. Bobby Massey since been released, we we were pretty sure that was going to happen. Bears need a new right tackle. And the first time I watched Tevin Jenkins, I was like, I would like that guy to be that guy. And he might be there at 20. That was my original thought. I don't think he's going to be there at 20 anymore. There's going to be a ton of tackles that fly off this board, but he's going to be up high. He's going to be in the first four tackles that go off the board, right? because I think Sewell Mm -hmm. and Slater will go before him. And there might be one other tackle that somebody likes just because of their system fit. Maybe they want Raddins because he's more athletic uh, and and can get farther out. Jenkins is just so big, so strong. Once he gets his hands on you, he will flatten you. He absolutely, (laughs) his rotational torque through his upper body is ridiculous. He just has this snap move where once he gets his hands locked in, on the inside of the frame, he'll just turn and yank you off balance, and then he's on top of you or shoving you out into the weeds, driving you into the first row. Incredibly powerful, great run blocker, but because he has that combination of strength and length in his wingspan, I was reading a a great thing this week about it doesn't matter whether it's wingspan, uh, a short wingspan and fast feet or slower feet and a wide wingspan, you're going to get there at the same time. (laughs) It's the reach or the feet. It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. And that was Dante Skarnakia, longtime Patriots line coach saying, I don't care how you get there. You just got to get there. If you've got long enough arms to get that guy, fine. If you've got fast enough feet to get that guy and your arms are shirt, I don't care. Um, Jenkins is again, first step is good. That first kick step is explosive slows down after that, but he's got those long arms and such power through his upper body and strong hands that, once he gets latched on, it's very hard. You have to run a really wide arc, uh, a wide enough arc that it's not effective to get around him. Um, yeah. Love him as a player, love his versatility. I think he's a bit like Jack Conklin. I um, uh, compared yes. him a little bit to Jack Conklin, to somebody else, and they said, I don't see that, but they think he's a guard. I strongly disbelieve that. I think Tevin Jenkins is a, a starting right tackle, like you said, early in his tenure. Um, and we'll be very successful at that. That's what I see. Again, we all see different things, but I would take Tevin Jenkins, you know, again, if I'm the bears and he's there at 20 and I keep my first round pick because I haven't traded it for Russell Wilson, um, Tevin Jenkins would be a, a slam dunk type of pick for the bears at, at right tackle or any team that needs a starting offensive tackle, um, likely on day one. Cause that's when he's going to go.
1: Yeah, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, my grade for Ronnie uh, Perkins went up because he was the one of the only edges that I saw actually move Jenkins backwards. So I was like, if I'd you can do that, we'll be talking about Mr. Guys. Perkins. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking yeah. about Mr. Perkins in the defensive episode because he's one of mine. But
0: uh, yeah, no, he had a great game against Tevin Jenkins. And if you have a great game, not a good game, but a great game against Tevin Jenkins, yet you did something right. Devin jenkins yeah. is a very solid player he was consistent throughout his tape he didn't have you know super high highs and super low lows where he got beat seven times or something he pretty much thrashed most everybody so if somebody showed out against him that was the check mark to go back and check the rest of their film
1: yeah who would you say uh because you have several good ones here uh who would be your first gem in this class
0: mm.
1: i'm gonna go right off the top And say Kyle Pitts. And
0: I know we talked about top 50, top 100 guys. Kyle Pitts is legitimately a top five guy in this class. And you say, "What? not Kyle Pitts a tight end? Yeah, Kyle Pitts is a tight end, but don't let the moniker fool you. If Kyle Pitts was listed as a wide receiver in this draft, which we just talked about being loaded and historic, he would be a top three wide receiver. Yes, I fully believe that. And so don't get hung up on the fact that it says tight end. Um, imagine if Allen Robinson was 6'5, 240. Allen Robinson is 6'2, <laughs> 220 and big at that. That's a good solid receiver in the NFL. Imagine if Allen Robinson was 6'5, 240 and a little bit more explosive. That's Kyle Pitts. Like, Kyle Pitts is, he might be the best player in this draft at any position. He might just be the bluest blue chip player in the draft
1: it is very hard gonna say is he a better tight end than trevor lawrence is a quarterback i think that's a legitimate discussion
0: right and i heard the same argument from jim Nagy about one of my other gems saying i think this guy might be the best at his craft in the draft um And Kyle Pitts is that he is a top five talent. I don't care what kind of position. I don't care what kind of positional value you're talking about. This is the kind of guy you just watch his tape. You watch him completely dominate. You watch that. He doesn't win one way. This isn't because he's tall or because he jumps really high. He wins every way, speed, hands, routes, physically dominating smaller receivers with strength or size, um, he can put points on the board on almost any play. He is an explosive threat from anywhere on the field. He can catch it and break a tackle. He can jump up, snatch it out of the air above you, and run away from you. Uh, he can win with a route and leave you, you know, struggling on the turf and and cruise into the end zone untouched. He can power through you on the goal line. He he just has weapons and tools, and there's not a great way for you to defend him. If you say, mm-hmm. if, if I'm a defensive coordinator and you say, okay, erase Kyle Pitts, what are you going to do? My answer is, ugh, you know, a lot Actually, of things.
1: Actually, I, I have one way to do it, but it's the only <laughs> way I've seen. Is it legal? <laughs> Technically. Okay. Recruit Tyree Gillespie. Every sure. single team Florida plays against, just go get Tyree Gillespie for that week and you'll be okay. Cause he's the only guy that covered him. He's the yeah. only guy that slowed him down in all of college football it was Tyree Gillespie Mizzou safety. Yeah. You, you saw a lot of approaches cause Pitts
0: dominated early on. He started racking up stats in the first three games. He had three explosive games and everybody knew from then on, if you were going to play Florida, yeah, you had to deal with Trask and yeah, you had to deal with, Kadarius Tony and yeah, you know, Trevin Grimes. You've got it, they've got skill threats, but watch what the defense does. <laughs> they don't double Tony, they don't double <laughs> Grimes, right? They don't spy Trask, that's for sure, because he can't run. They double pits and sometimes they triple pits, right? They they rotate coverage to wherever Pitts goes because Pitts is the guy that can beat you again on any play from anywhere, any route. Um He's just the bluest of blue chip players. And he is one of those guys that regardless of, uh, you know, I would even take him if I was Kansas city and I have Kelsey, right? Cause Kelsey is not a spring chicken and that would be the greatest tight end succession maybe ever. Right. The oh, only team that I might not take him with, and I would still take him because you could run the, vilest, wickedest 12 personnel in the history of the world would be San Francisco, right? Because you've mm-hmm. got Kittle, who I think is probably the best tight end of the game, but Kittle and Pitts, ah, ah. check. what, and what are you going to do? And everybody else, and Ayuk and Samuel, like that's not going to work. So every team in the league could use Kyle Pitts. I don't care about their depth chart. And I don't think there's another player in the draft that you can say that for. Maybe Trevor Lawrence, but not really. You know, if you've got Pat Mahomes, you're not drafting Trevor Lawrence. If you've got Travis Kelsey, you're still probably drafting Kyle Pitts if you had a shot at him, right? So Kyle Pitts is that kind of player, and I know he is the top of the top talent. I know you've heard his name. Yes, still we still couldn't have this episode and not talk about him because he's that good.
1: Yeah, it's 10 gems, not, uh, you know, 10 sleepers. Like, it's just guys that we love watching the most, and you can't watch – 30 seconds of a kyle pitts tape without being like holy shit that and that's not different. the thing is
0: you can't watch 30 seconds of a florida tape you can't watch trask <laughs> or grimes or Kadarius tony who is ridiculously explosive without going ah 84 what's he do? oh man oh he did it to him again right yeah. that's pitts all the time and you're like no 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 okay i gotta watch tony gotta watch. <laughs> gotta watch grimes okay got it ah yeah And that's that's Florida tape. Any Florida tape you turn on, Kyle Pitts is just lighting it up, and it's it's every tape, and it's consistent. And he's, I have real trouble believing he doesn't just start doing that in the NFL right away. He's just one of those guys that is so ridiculously skilled, and he's 19. You and I both made notes about him last year because Florida had the three wide receivers last year that all got drafted, right? And we watched a bunch of tape on them and it was like, oh my God, did you see this kid pitch? Like, did you see this kid pitch? (laughs) Like, did you see it? Like he didn't even go back to another tape and you're watching, you know, somebody else. And you're like, oh my, oh man, I can't, can't take my eyes off pits. Like this is ridiculous. When he comes out, I mean, we knew. Um, And he was one of those guys sometimes again, progressions, not linear. Sometimes guys dip. He didn't dip. He just kept going right through the roof and uh, he, he is he's incredibly fun to watch kyle pitts is a blue chip
1: van top. jefferson uh i think van jefferson was the receiver that took me the longest to watch because i kept not watching van jefferson <laughs> it was it, like o- obviously all the other receivers they had that were coming out last year plus pitts plus you know tony was a junior but he didn't come out last year and he was like their wide receiver five yeah and he's going to be a first round pick this year like if it People say like, oh, you know, Tua had so much talent to work with, and Mac Jones has so much talent to work with, and it's like, mm. are you, we're not knocking Kyle Trask for that? Like, the dude, the dude I never hear Trask's NFL name receivers. in that. I
0: never he hear Trask's name in that.
1: players, it's insane. I hear,
0: I hear Burrow, I hear Tua. Those are the two most common. Well, God, look who they're thrown to. They're throwing to Jamar Chase, and they're throwing to Rugs and Judy. And I'm like, Kyle Trask is thrown to like six guys in the last two years that are all going to the nfl yeah all of them like three receivers last year all got drafted tight end and two receivers this year are getting drafted and his running backs weren't bad his running back got drafted last year right and mm-hmm. if his running back was eligible he'd be drafted like it's i never hear trash brought up in that
1: conversation it says that says something yeah florida skill position talent man it's it's insane off the charts um, I would say my number two gem, and this is somebody who I think flew under the radar, even though he was dominating college football, because he's an an older prospect. He's going to be 23 as a rookie. At least I think he turns 23 as rookie season. Might be 22 for most of it, but I know he's close to being 23. Uh, And he was a transfer. He was a grad transfer, so he was fifth year in college. And that's Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech. Only spent a year there. But when you watch this guy, I mean, there is a reason why he was leading the entire country in yards from scrimmage for the first half of the season. Ended up at about eighth overall by the end of the year in terms of yards per game. But when you look at the fact that he sustained a hundred sixty five yards per scrimmage from scrimmage per game pace over 11 consecutive games, while everyone else except for Devonta Smith in the top 10 was doing it like three, five, six, or seven games. He did it 11 games in a row, putting up that kind of production, which the only other guy in all of college football that had that much yardage, rushing plus receiving, was the Heisman winner, Devonta Smith. Like Khalil Herbert does not get enough respect. I know he's an older prospect, but he's a running back. You're only going to keep him for four years and probably a franchise tag anyway. Like what, what we just saw with Aaron Jones, who's one of the best running backs in the league, Only kept him for four years. So it's the NFL is a cold business. And if I can get a Pro Bowl caliber running back on day three, which Khalil Herbert most likely will go day three because of his age, but I'm getting him for dirt cheap for four years and then I just kind of start the cycle anew because I'm pretty sure I can get another one in four or five years. He's Aaron Jones and he looks like Aaron Jones on tape too in terms of the speed, the cutting ability, the, the contact balance, the vision, the build. He's exactly like Aaron Jones. He's going to get drafted in the same range as Aaron Jones. You slot him into green Bay on day three to, to mix in there with that running back rotation. I don't think they lose a step. And that's saying a lot. Cause we love Aaron Jones, but Khalil Herbert's really damn good. And he's going to be dirt cheap and you're going to get thousand yard seasons out of him for no money. I love this kid. He's so damn good. He's
0: tremendous. He, he was on my list early. Uh he's incredibly versatile. He again, like Pitts, can win in many ways. He can win with his cutting ability. He can win with his power. He will run over you. Um, he can win with speed inside, he can win with vision and leverage outside. He's decent in the passing game. He's a solid blocker. He just there isn't anything he does poorly where you're like, well, you're gonna have to pull him out if you're running that play. Like he is as close to an alpha as you're going to get in terms of not having to pull him out for really kind of any offense or any offensive play. And he's incredibly productive. Yes, he is a little bit overaged. He is ridiculously tough. Um, He has some breakaway ability and he just is again you said it he doesn't get enough respect you you talk about all the other guys and it's it's Najee and Javante Williams and and even some scat backs right Michael Carter and and um, Jamie Hawkins and you know they're flat you just don't hear his name because he's he's not running over people like Javante Williams and he's not as fast as Jamie Hawkins but he's right in the middle of all that in the best possible space you want a running back who's got that size he's got prototypical running back size right he's just under just under six foot just over mid 200 to right got a very compact muscular build and he's just a guy you don't hear about but he can catch he can run inside outside you could run zone you could run man it doesn't matter he's going to be good in those schemes so uh I'm glad you put him on the list I was super glad you put him on the list because that meant I could pick another running back um (laughs) but yeah everybody knows I love running backs and Khalil Herbert is underappreciated for sure he is super duper talented and productive
1: and and the age thing by the way Travis Etienne's 22 also Mm -hmm. And Travis Etienne is going to go in the top 40 picks. Yeah, So it's like you're getting another like and he's. Yeah, I might argue with you about day three for Herbert, though. I think some team is probably
0: going to look at him and say, you know, back half of round three, which is day two, especially with supplemental picks. I think it's totally possible he comes off the board at the end of day two, second half of round three. That would be I would not be at all surprised. And that would still be a value pick. Right bottom around yeah. three and you're getting a plug and play starter that can play just about any system can be effective in your passing game is obviously going to be effective in your running game. Isn't going to get your quarterback killed. Like that's a, that's a very solid
1: player. And most importantly, he's going to cost millions and millions less than Travis Etienne. Who's like six months older than him or younger than him at most. Yeah. Like not the same talent level, but beep, not that far off. We bit faster. But it's not that far off. No, no, extra, but you know, ten million. I, Etienne
0: is lightning in a bottle, and and uh, we won't actually talk about him on this episode. We certainly will talk about him during draft season. But uh, I I went back. One of my uh, five gems is from Clemson. So I was running through highlight film this morning, refreshing my take on on the film study I'd done on him. And man, it's the same. Etienne's kind of like Pitts. You know, you're like you're you're watching the other guy, but then you're like,
1: oh, okay, wow, yeah not to get sidetracked but are you on the travis etienne equals jamal charles bandwagon because i heard that uh oh i hadn't week heard that so. um i was like yeah it's not
0: bad That's not a bad comp it, it's not bad comps uh we could talk all day about comps uh comps are fraught uh because you really need to talk about whether it's uh play style or whether you think it's like uh professional ceiling like how much you think they'll achieve or whether it's um like a physical similarity, he looks just like. Um, there's a lot of ways to do comps, and as long as you're clear about what you're comping, I think they're fine. Um, I could see him being that kind of productive because he does share, uh, well, a similar build with Jamal Charles. He's not the biggest guy. Um, the speed is maybe even better. Jamal Charles was really fast, but like Travis Etienne is like blazing fast. You see him run through the second level without getting touched guys have angle and he runs through the second level without getting touched. And then sometimes just blows right by the defensive back. So um yeah, I could see it, but he also runs with power and Jamal Charles had a surprising amount of power. Again, a balanced approach is necessary. Any, any back with like one calling card is never going to have, um, that wide-ranging success. If Etienne was just a speed guy, he's not. You see him like twist through tackles, break leg tackles. He's he's a powerful guy in short spaces. But if you let him go, you're not catching him. Like I yeah. just sent you a thing on a Miami defensive back today because I looked that kid up because he stayed with Etienne deep down the sideline 25 yards down the sideline on a wheel route and he was step for step with Etienne I was like I'm checking that guy's box I'm g- I'm going to look up who that kid is because he stayed with Etienne step for step 30 yards down the field and there's not many players that can do that he's got that kind of speed
1: Yeah they clocked him at 4.41 in the pro day and that was one of the few pro day times where I was like mm, nah he's faster than that Like most well, pro day times are inflated I was like that one's deflated
0: De- like, yeah, <laughs> like no, no everybody's way. got gps data we should talk about that at some point as well but all all the pro scouts have gps data because all the all the players in college are wearing the gps pucks now so they know how fast he actually ran on the football field in miles an hour and yeah. if travis etienne wasn't in the top 20 players in college football and somebody might say top 20 like there's Thousands upon thousands of college football players. If Travis Etienne didn't hit, you know, top 20, top 25 in speed, I'd be really surprised.
1: I look at it this way. There was a, a video from like three years ago, uh after Isaiah Simmons' true freshman season, where he and Etienne raced in a 40 side by side. And they were literally, literally step for step. Yeah. I'm like, that dude ran four three four. That dude did not run four four one.
0: Uh, He might have on
1: that day. That's the thing is (laughs) time. But I'm saying like like, his his top end is like he's better. It's it's
0: a classic thing about Jerry Rice, right? Everybody said Jerry Rice ran a slow for you. But, you know, um, when Bill Walsh looked at him, he said, I never see anybody catch him with a ball in his hands. He said, I've watched all of his film and I've never seen him caught from behind ever. Like mm-hmm. when he gets the ball in his hands, he's fast enough on the football field. And Jerry Rice was very, very quick, but his 40 time was notoriously slow. Etienne, you see him run through really fast secondaries and not just run through them, but embarrass them, like not get touched. Like they have angle and they don't even make contact. It's not that he breaks a leg tackle. Like they don't touch him because he just literally breaks the angle with speed. And there's not too many people that can do that. He does it regularly.
1: Yeah, it's like Richard Sherman. You give a guy a rabbit to chase and all of a sudden he gets a different gear. You know, it's, it's, it's play sure. speed, but not to get too far in the tangent. Uh, who's your second gem on your list? i
0: uh, going to rotate and go for um, Elijah Moore. Who's if you've been following me on Twitter, I've been driving Elijah Moore's bus or bandwagon, whatever, for a while now. Um, Elijah Moore is a wide receiver. Old Miss, Old Miss offense is loaded this year. Bunch of skill position players, and one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football who will be coming out next year, uh, who played his high school ball in your neck of the woods. Um, But Elijah Moore is just one of those guys that, again, when you're watching defenses against Old Miss, he carves up everybody. I don't care who it is, like J.C. Horn, who is presumptively the number one cover corner. Man cover corner in this draft, he made catches against Horn. Um, Not many guys did. Horn erased most everybody. Um, Moore is just a good physical compact wide receiver that's really versatile. They run him out of the backfield, like straight out of the running back position. They run jet motions. He runs ins, slants, deep seams, wins all over the field. Very good hands through contact. One of my favorite things about him. Very shifty feet. When he gets out and runs, if you give Elijah Moore a two-way go, he's winning.
1: Mm-hmm. He's
0: beating the defensive back. He is very good at setting up his routes. He's incredibly quick through his cuts. He's one of those guys that maintains speed and momentum through his cuts. He doesn't have to slow down to cut. Um, Very tight routes and releases both. Um, He's a surgeon. He just carves people up. Daniel Jeremiah said, I was watching defensive backs and man, Elijah Moore's just carving everybody up. And he's right. You go through the sec and there isn't anybody Moore didn't beat. Um, Doesn't break a ton of tackles or lay guys out on blocks. He'll get in the way on blocks. Um, But this is a guy that you can take off that roster with the variety of routes that he runs, the physicality down the field, his high attention to detail of the wide receiver position and be a productive pro wide receiver on day one you can Mm -hmm. line him up in the slot and just start throwing in the football and he you know you need eight yards he's going to run that really tight in at 10 yards make the catch through contact you're getting a first down that's elijah moore in a in a nutshell and tremendously fun player to watch uh he's going to be down the board a little bit because there are so many wide receivers in this draft and there are so many good offensive tackles and they're all going to fly off the board. And a guy like Elijah Moore, you know, could go at the bottom of the second, presumably even the top of the third. It's not that he's that's commensurate with his talent level. That's just might maybe where he gets pushed down to. Um, mm-hmm. And he's going to be a tremendous value.
1: I was trying to think of, cause I, I really want, like, when I'm kind of formulating my mock draft, I was like, I don't know if there's 31 better players in the draft than him. So I was trying to find a way, it's like, how, how can I get him in the top 32 of my mock? Where does he fit? And I I landed on the Chiefs. And again, I'm not finalized on this, but I'm kind of floating the idea of him to the Chiefs at 31 because when you look at what they need, they need somebody who can beat man coverage that is not named Travis Kelsey. Because Tyreek Hill's getting the double. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Travis Kelsey may or may not get doubled depending on what the coverage is and depending on who they're playing against. Cause some guys are specifically drafting gigantic safeties solely for tra- like, you know, Lonnie Johnson sure. from the Texans was like their Travis Kelsey dude. And AJ <laughs> Boyer back in the day when he was with Houston was like, that's our Travis Kelsey guy. So some teams are going to man up Kelsey and have success. Most won't. But I, they still need one more guy where if Tyreek gets a double, if Kelsey gets a double, get me one more guy that can beat man coverage because Sammy Watkins is always hurt. And I don't even know if he's going to be there next year. I can't remember what his status is. And Miko is okay as like a gadget guy, you know, get him in space where he can run. He's good on special teams. He'll stretch the field, but he's not somebody you're running out. there as like a true Z receiver. That's like, you're one-on-one go beat that dude. So they really need that. And even though I think they're starved for receivers with size, they're really more starved for receivers that can actually beat man coverage. And if there's one thing that Elijah Moore can do, it's beat man coverage. So I know they need offensive linemen, but if there's a run on tackles and you're looking at like OT7 but by pick 31, now you're putting up, it's like, am I taking Brady Christensen, who's really good, or am I taking Elijah Moore? Who's really, really, really good. And I think it's a legitimate discussion to have here of like, even though this receiver class is loaded, he has a very in demand skill set in the NFL, which is beating man coverage. He does it better than almost anybody else in this class, other than like the guys at the very, very top. And I think there's a legitimate shot that even if he doesn't go in the top 32, I don't think he's getting out of the top 40.
0: Yeah, I think he's too good and too versatile. I I think too many offensive coordinators can look at that guy and go, yep, I know where I'm plugging him in because he does so Mm -hmm. many things for Old Miss. So it's not like, oh, well, we already got a guy that runs, you know, slants out of the post. Like that's, sorry, we don't really need No, he can go again, short, wide, deep. He's everywhere on the field. You see him make catches and against everybody. He beats safeties. He beats corners. Uh, nobody was stupid enough to put linebackers on him because he was roasting all the other guys to go with him, but but... he'll,
1: he'll take a hit from linebackers though. He's not afraid of going over the middle, no, no, he will
0: absolutely run through middle zone if he needs to. But the other thing is, I love that setup to the chiefs because typically what you're going to get for value late in the first round is not necessarily wide receiver, right? Value late in the first round. We saw him last year. They took a running back, a great one, right? Center right center is like one of those borderline first round positions if you need a center and you're at 31 you probably get the best center on the board right uh inside linebacker is something i could see the chiefs needing and one maybe two will be off the board then so you might be looking at a really good pass coverage linebacker like a Jabril Cox like at 31 that could be a really good fit for the chiefs but like Elijah Moore the reason i love that fit for the chiefs is he's going to be going up against DB Three, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or four. And if you look at rosters around the league like we do, and you look at D B three or DB four, Elijah Moore is beating nine out of ten of those guys on day one in the NFL. Yeah. And yeah. that's a you know, this is a mismatch league, and that creates almost an automatic mismatch. Cause if you're on DB four, you're probably not D B four if you're good enough to keep with Elijah Moore. You're you're D B one, two, or three. So
1: When I look at his physical skill set and I look at his his route running acumen, his versatility, because you can give him carries as well, his effort in all things, whether it's blocking special teams, like he's not good at it, but he gives effort. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's hard for me to not see like a young Robert Woods where like every single football coach would be like, I know he's not there all the way yet, but he does certain things at a very high level. And I know that he can be Robert Woods and every single offensive coach in the NFL loves robert woods because robert Woods is one of the most complete football players football players not just receivers but football players in the nfl and i think elijah moore can be can be that kind of guy so i'm yeah i see him as like a it's there were two guys that came
0: out um sterling Shepard and tyler lockett right who had yeah similar skill sets right and i see elijah moore as like a slashier tyler lockett Lockett is yeah. extremely good with his footwork. He's extremely precise. It's one of the reasons that he and Russell Wilson have that almost preternatural connection, right? He he knows how to run routes against leverage. He has great hands. He's tough. But, like, Moore has a little bit extra pizzazz, right? He's, he's snappier coming out of that stuff. And he adds that little bit of extra juice to what is – very technically sound, route running, toughness, catching the football, good hands. So it's like a slashier Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett is a legitimate sort of 1A, to you know, 2 plus, right, depending mm-hmm. on on how you look at it. If you can get that at the end of the first round and add it to what is a capable receiving core, I'd yeah. hard press not to do M- that. More so, than capable, more than yeah. capable.
1: Yeah. No pun intended, but uh, now moving on to my third gem, the other more in the other more in the wide receiving core because draft time is never confusing yeah. enough. Let's have two awesome wide receivers with the last name of more. Everything we just said about Elijah Moore, look at Rondale Moore from Purdue and then amp it up because he is athletically, he's not, I don't know if he's as big as Elijah might be a little bit smaller, but he's Mm. extremely well built. Like you look at pictures of him. I mean, he's got to add, he must've added 10 to 15 pounds of muscle since the off season. Cause pure
0: muscle. Yeah.
1: Jacked, but he's still jumping like 40 inches running high four, three, low four, four. Like he's built so much like Tyreek Hill where Tyreek is yoked. Like he's short, but he's yoked. And that's why he's able to take on contact so well. He, he doesn't just fall over in a stiff breeze like some other smaller, faster guys like, no offense, Mikael Hardman. But, you know, Rondale's built like that. Might not have quite the speed of Tyreek, but he's still like top three or four percent. Like he's still faster than most DBs. He's still quicker than most DBs. Excellent route runner. And I know people might not think so when you when you watch him because they didn't have him run "Quote unquote normal routes a lot. It was a lot of sweeps. It was a lot of screens. Everything like that. But like I've seen video of him like running actual routes, and he does it very well. The only reason why they had him almost be like a gimmicky type receiver is because they didn't really have a good offensive line. So it's not like they have time to block up for him running like a post corner post down the field, which he can do. And they didn't really have a great quarterback either. So you know th- their offensive game plan was like, let's." Help the offensive line by getting the ball out in under two seconds. Let's help the quarterback by making him only throw like 10 yards. And Rondale will do the rest. And he did. Like, we saw him make really nice catches down the field, adjusting to deep balls every now and then when he was given a chance to. We saw him run really nice routes and just create unbelievable amounts of separation deep down the field. I don't really have any concerns about his size because, again, he is extremely thick. And by all accounts, he's a team player because he accepted that role. No questions asked, knowing that it would not put him in the best light draft stock wise. But I think just when you really dig into him, you're like, ah, I mean, other than just size or height, I should say, catch radius, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a really, really good receiver that I think is going to be a dynamic playmaker from the second he enters the league. Super flashy. And I mean flashy
0: speed-wise, not flashy like, you know, takes an easy catch and turns it into a circus catch because he doesn't need to. Not that kind of flashy. Rondell Moore is, yeah, when you said a, a sort of jacked up Elijah Moore, like it is the 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 word we used, overused last year was juice, right? We got this mm-hmm. in the comments. Everybody's like, oh, juice, right? <laughs> if there's a juice guy in this draft, it's Rondell Moore. That guy is yeah. juiced. He is electric super quick everything is terribly sudden um i think his size surprised people uh, as happens right now with uh, pro days or individual workouts guys are running around in track shorts with their shirts off and the picture of Rondale Moore everybody was like that's a wide receiver like i <laughs> thought he was little like he's yeah. not little he's anything but little um incredibly sudden very very strong uh good hands uh, and has the ability, again, we said at the top of the show, might have been sort of underutilized or or less utilized because of a particular system. That's Rondell Moore at Purdue, right? Could have done more, um, had to do some other things because of things out of his control on the offense. And if he gets to, I mean, imagine he gets to a place with a very stable offensive line and a quarterback that knows how to hit him, right? you could be green Bay could be Tampa Bay, right? Like you get him as a, as a wide receiver option where there's three and a half seconds to throw the ball, not two. And you're going to be like, I never saw him do that at Purdue. Amazing. And you're like, well, they only had (laughs) two seconds at Purdue. You have to be able to project that. And if you look at Rondale's uh, physical skills in terms of cutting, his absolute explosion physically, you can see that in his jump numbers, but you can see it on the field. Like when he makes a cut, makes it and is just accelerating instantly. Um, he's going to be a playmaker. And everybody you talk to in scouting knows, like nobody doesn't know Rondale Moore. It's just a question of fit and who's gonna get him.
1: Yeah. yeah. I I mean, again, he's one of those guys where it's like, it's like Elijah. It's like, I know there's not 31 better football players in this class than Rondell Moore. So it's like, just find a place. You know, it's like he, he, you want to think Ravens, but they've already drafted like a million guys with that skill set. Yeah, so it's, it's like not, not. I was th- I was thinking about the other team
0: that really hasn't had great success with wide receivers, but I think the Philly fans might throw a fit draft
1: I, and they just took rager i know they the took rager
0: and it's it's not fair but like he is a guy that makes your wide receiver room better almost you know non-dependent on who you have in your wide receiver room because he's super super talented so and like uh, we
1: we liked rager but everything that rager did at tcu board does better so it's like, Oh, again, that's, that's a symptom of this receiver class where it's like Rager was like in, in our top. I like somewhere in our top Jalen five.
0: Rager a lot. And I don't think he showed out as a rookie. I, I think he had a much better senior, or, you know, last college season than he did his first pro season. I think he can do way more than he did with the Eagles last year for a variety of reasons, much like the ones we just talked about at Purdue, right? The offensive line need to get the ball out quickly, some quarterback instability. Um, I think if they settle on a quarterback and, uh, you know, I have faith in Nick Sirianni tuning up that offense. And I think we'll see a resurgence or a better sophomore season from Rager because it would be almost impossible not to, he had a really down season and we're really high on him, but he has tremendous skills. Um, not unlike Moore. So that's probably not the greatest fit because you're drafting two of kind of the same guy. Um, but again, there's not many places a guy like Rondale Moore does not fit.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a shorter list of, of where he doesn't than where yes. he does. Because most, most competent offensive coaches would watch him for five minutes and be like, I'll find a way. Per yeah, just, a get, way just give I'm me. I'm sure I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just give way. me. I'll take him for sure. Who's your, uh, who's your number three?
0: I'm going to pivot to the offensive line and – pivot is pun intended creed humphrey from oklahoma um the center for oklahoma think about all the talent that's come out of oklahoma not only on the offensive line because a lot of offensive line talent has come out of oklahoma while creed humphrey's been there seems like he's been there forever he's a fifth year senior (laughs) yeah it's a fifth year senior he's been there for a long time um all the quarterback talent That's come out of Oklahoma, right? Lincoln Riley, they're graduating quarterbacks. They all get drafted like Creed Humphrey was their center. I can guarantee it because he's been there since they were writing on stone tablets. Um, (laughs) Extremely tough, nasty player. Um, Always looking for work down the field. This is one of the things I love. Good movement and will hunt downfield. I wrote that in my notes. He's like, I didn't run 10 yards just to run my fat ass 10 yards. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to bury you as a safety, right? I don't care if you're really not a threat to whoever's seven yards behind me running the ball. You see it over and over again on film. He's like, you're in my area, and I'm going to put you down. Um, I love that from him. Classic experienced veteran pivot guy that understands the line, understands leverage, Um, graduated a whole bunch of guys, had a whole bunch of young guys come in, had them gel very quickly and playing well as a unit couple more of those guys are going to get drafted this year. Um, does a good job controlling strong, large interior DTs. Um, the interior of Oklahoma's offensive line averaged over well over 300 pounds. So they knew how to take big heavies and shut them down. Um, you don't see them get blown off the ball uh, all that often he got screwed up the first day of the senior bowl first day of the senior bowl is is a little bit shifty everybody's adapting to new circumstances nobody would played football in a little while and and Levi gave him a a pretty good rush on the first day but again classic form second day third day settled down bowed up not very many people got by him Um, and you're just getting a guy that he's he's one of the easiest guys to project. And this is the guy I was talking about earlier that Jim Nagy said, I think Creed Humphrey is better at being a center than anybody else is better at being whatever they are in this draft. Like he is the guy that you could, if you need a center, you're going to pick Creed Humphrey. You're probably going to get him at the end of the first round or the top of the second round, and you're going to put him in the middle of your line and he's going to make everybody around him better. And just not going to worry about him for the next seven or eight years until maybe contract catches up with him because he's that good. But that's the kind of guy Creed Humphrey is. And not a lot of people are talking about him because there's another very good center from the national championship team. um, And, You know, centers aren't super sexy. Let's be honest. They get drafted at the very end of the first round or really in the second or third. Uh, But Creed Humphrey's one of those guys that you pretty much just go, he's still available and we have a need. Like, blue chip, check it off. We're not going to worry about it. We know it's a good – the bust floor on Creed Humphrey is, like, non-existent. Five percent. Like, just something weird happens. Other than that, Creed Humphrey is going to plug into your line – play well at a pro level, make everybody around him better and you just he's 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 the legit definition of
1: plug and play. I watched two games of his and when you watch him especially in the run game because the thing with with zone run games which you know, it's all the rage in the NFL. It's been all the rage since, you know, Mike Shanahan was dominating in the 90s with it is you have to have a good setter. They call it the pivot position for a reason because that center is responsible for either taking the nose on a reach block, even if he's shaded to the front side of the play and then getting in front of him and walling him off, or in some very special cases, like when James Daniels was coming out of Iowa, um, the kid uh, Bradbury, when he was coming out in Minnesota, drafted him. If you have a guy that can reach from the center position, like, uh, uh, two techniques I mean, Daniels was so athletic he could even I saw him reach a three technique once which is insane Creed is that kind of guy where it's like he is a master of reach blocks and even if he doesn't initially win because he's not as quick as Bradbury and Daniels who are freak athletes when they were coming out he's still a good athlete it's not quite that but in terms of you know if I can at least get even with a guy he's so good at leverage and he's so good with his hands, with and his hands, with his balance. And I was yep. watching, I got like two games into him, and I was like, there is no way this dude did not wrestle growing up. And so I looked it up, and his dad was 100%. A three-time all our all three-time All-American wrestler was his dad at Central Oklahoma. His brother was an all-state wrestler in Oklahoma. He started wrestling from the age of four. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, because as soon as he's locked into a guy, I mean, the amount of times he's able to throw a nose tackle over his hip like he's on a mat, I'm like, this dude's a wrestler. He's a wrestler that plays football. And it, like, it, again, zone run games specifically are going to love him because he's so good at leverage. He's so good at getting to the second level. And again, he's he's quick. So linebackers can't just kind of like shoot over or under him because he's going to latch on and locate and all that kind of stuff. So. I think he is a natural fit. It almost seems like I'm going to say this for everybody in this podcast, but a natural fit for Green Bay, who presumably are going to lose Lindsley to free agency. I don't think they would have let Lindsley walk if they didn't have Creed Humphrey as like their ace in the back pocket because he fits them extraordinarily well. He'll probably be there at 29. And again, as you said, he's a plug-and-play guy that's going to be there for 10 years, and they don't have to worry about it. For the rest of aaron Rodgers' career they do not have to worry about center if they draft creed humphrey yeah it's
0: you know for those teams that let the draft come to them
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there are those teams right they're not gonna jump for the guy that jumped out of the gym and is 6-5 and is a wide receiver they're not gonna go for the guy that ran a 4-4 at 6-4 as a tight end like they they don't go for those guys. Like the Ravens are classic this way, right? I'm not saying he goes to the Ravens. They're, they're pretty well set on their offensive line, but like those teams that just go, okay, what's on the board. Well, that's a tremendous value and I won't have to worry about it. And I can, you know, move the other guy to guard or do whatever. Um, You know, I, those teams are going to Creed Humphrey's going to end up with one of those teams because yeah. they're just going to be like, well, this is a no-brainer. Uh, you know, We get these picks so that we can get good football players, and that's a good football player, so I'm going to take them. And yeah. they won't be disappointed.
1: No. I, I don't think he gets past um, the Eagles at the top of the second, even if he does slip out of the first, because this is probably Jason Kelsey's last year. And can you imagine a better transition for your franchise than Jason Kelsey one of the best centers of the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years. Yeah. The Creed Humphrey. Like, again, it's it center's yeah. one of those positions where it's like you don't you don't really understand how important they are until you have a bad one. And then you're like, oh shit, we really need a center. Like Pittsburgh's about to find out what it's like without having Marquis Pouncy because I the, was saying, like, Oh like, Pittsburgh, shit.
0: <laughs> like, can you imagine Creed Humphrey in Pittsburgh? I was gonna say it because oh, of Pouncey's perfect. retirement. Like he would you'd You'd never see him anywhere else. Like, in your mm-hmm. mind, you'd never see him anywhere else. He would drop in, and even though they're going to be presumably starting Big Ben, like, Ben would have no issues with him going from a guy like Pouncy, who's a very good center, right? There are probably five or seven centers in the NFL that would preclude you from picking a guy like Creed Humphrey, and everybody else, you'd be like, ah, I wonder if our center can play guard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: Like even Mustafer for the Bears, like we like Mustafer, but
0: well, yeah but come on, He's like, not the same. Again, He's not there's the just same. too many needs for Chicago, but if Chicago you know had a quarterback and therefore the first round pick at 20, like you're asking me like would you be upset if the Bears had quarterback squared away in their first round or wasn't for that if they picked up Creed Humphrey and I'm be like, hell no, I wouldn't be upset because you'd be looking at Leno uh White hair, Humphrey, Daniels, and whoever you picked up in the second round at right tackle. And you would have one of the top 10 lines in the NFL.
1: That's fair. Especially right. interior. The interior would be nasty.
0: The interior would be locked down. You've got three guys that have played center in the three interior spots. And Whitehair's a better guard. He's purely... He's, he's almost all pro at guard. He's definitely pro bowl at guard. Daniels is could play either, but I think is better at guard for just the reason you talked about. He's more athletic. He's put on a ton of muscle. He's moving people and standing up against those bull rushers now. And you put Creed Humphrey between those two guys and all three of them have played center. And you got Leno, who's an average tackle outside. And then, you know, you're going to be replacing a right tackle. Anyways. And we've talked about tackle depth in this draft. Like that line would be
1: locked down. Amazing. Not to mention you got three, former centers that all have experience calling protections, you know how hard it is going to be to beat that trio. You're not going to miss stunts and twins, yep. stunts and twists. Like they're going to point out everything. And, you know, centers, they kind of speak their own language. You know, and I was, I was talking to an offensive line coach, it's like centers speak their own language and how they would be able to all kind of identify things and kind of be each other's eyes and then communicate with just little taps, little nudges here um you once those guys gel (laughs) no by like (laughs) game five or six they're gonna look at each other and be like we got it it's like oh that safety is like two yards different than where you're supposed to be (laughs) you're gonna be like (laughs) they are like uh uh-huh uh-huh okay yeah and they're gonna snap the ball so no it would be tremendous it's not
0: my ideal first round pick just because there's so many other needs but like you know Regardless of other things, would I take a guy like Creed Humphrey at center for the Bears? Oh, my goodness, yes. Like Sam Mustafer played well above his level. And if he ends up being the center this year for the Bears and he earns that, good for him. But if you're telling me about Sam Mustafer or Creed Humphrey, like Creed Humphrey all day, every day. Yeah. That's not even a fair comparison.
1: I would say my fourth gem uh, sticking with interior O-line. This is somebody who I don't know where he's going to go. <laughs> because he's, he's higher d3. than most people think higher than most people think and the last d3 offensive lineman that went to the senior bowl and kicked everybody's ass was ali marpet who was one of the best guards in the entire league because he showed up against top tier college talent absolutely destroyed them in mobile went to the nfl took a little bit to adjust i would say in his first year or so but really settled in put on a little bit of weight but the same things that he dominated with at Hobart and he dominated with in senior bowl, which was like hand placement balance, just being a better technician than literally everybody else. Uh, Because again, he wasn't the most physically talented guy, but he was just a a better football player (laughs) than all of them. And then you get to the NFL, you do an NFL strength and conditioning program. You're putting on good muscle. So he's a better athlete now than he was coming out of college combined with his technique. And again, he's an elite left guard. Like I can't name four left guards that are better than him, maybe even three. I think Quinn Miners from Wisconsin-Whitewater can be that similar trajectory. Possibly at center instead of guard. Again, it depends on who drafts him, but he's one of those guys where it's like you can play him at all three, so it doesn't really matter. It might depend on the system, but especially in pass protection, when you watch him down at the Senior Bowl, he lost... What one rep the entire week, maybe against yeah. Levi, if I remember correctly, or it might have been Osa uh, Odegizua might have been. Odigizua, the one that got yep. him. But I think he lost like one rep. And I remember watching his one on ones because you and I have the all 22 for the one on ones. And it's like, shit, nobody's getting by this dude. Like not only is nobody on, getting by
0: him, but he was dominating guys. And yeah. I'll say this. Marpet is the most likely and legitimate comparison. And for, for good reason. Minor Senior Bowl was better than Marpet's Senior Bowl by good measure.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: the amount that he, A, didn't get beat, because that's kind of the goal when you show up as a small school player at the Senior Bowl, right, is to show I can hold my own, right? That's your goal. And a lot of guys did that this year. More of the center from Gramley. Like a bunch of guys did that this year. Miner didn't do that. He showed up and beat dude's ass all week, right? Mm-hmm. He With laid on hand. top of people. Yeah, he laid on top of people. He ran people out of the circle. He he belly bumped guys that were from Power 5 competition and just pushed them out of the frame. Like, he had not just a good senior bowl week. He had a dominating senior bowl week to the point where Daniel Jeremiah was wearing a Wisconsin Whitewater t-shirt, right? <laughs> like this is a different level. Like I think he can get to Marpet's level in the pros. I don't think he's there now, but I think he can get there faster. Cause Marpet did had that long sort of build up throughout his first year, had some good games read right at the end that maybe gave you hope. Cause there were people that started to question, ah, come on, you know, maybe the game is too big for him. And then Marpet came back and was like, Nope, I got it. I think minor might have less of a speed bump hitting the league and be up to speed sooner than Marpet, and that's saying something because you just said how good Marpet is, right?
1: Yeah, he's a better so, athlete than, than Marpet was coming out because Miners just ran like a four nine I, at, at his pro day.
0: Watching that guy run a forty without his shirt on, man, I wondered what the Richter scale was on that. I wonder if it was but, but also not like, four nine.
1: But he's not flabby, like he's no, thick, he's, he's like a he's, he's like a lumberjack. He's yeah.
0: when you say barrel-chested, right? You get a very particular picture. Myers is barrel-bodied. Like he just <laughs> he he is perfectly built for what he's going to do in the league. He is stout, he is strong in the upper body. We saw people controlled with his hands and shoulders alone, but his feet are I think better than Marpets. Like athletically, I I don't have their testing numbers in front of me, but I would bet on Miner's numbers being better athletically straight-up testing than Marpet's. Um, he, he's very fluid, very powerful, and again, I think he can get up
1: to speed a little bit faster. I'm, I'm pulling up Ali Marpet's uh, combine here. So he was 6'4", 307 coming out, which is a pretty good size. A little bit bigger, a little bit taller, I should say, than a lot of centers coming out. Most centers um, are like 6'3", maybe 6'2", depending on. Yeah. Some some shorter centers even that. Um, so he's, you know, solidly built guy, arm length, about 33 and a half, about average. it's uh, good. But his, again, he was like a four, nine, eight, yeah, which is a very good 40 for that size and a one, seven, sure. four split. So he was really explosive coming out. Yeah. Uh, look at Miner's 10 yard split. <laughs> it's, it's, it was like one, six, eight, it was even faster. Uh-huh. So it's like, he's a, he's a better athlete than One of the best guards in the league, yeah, he's explosive, and I I just mean explosive physically in terms of power in general, not
0: just his legs. Um, just a great, great story and fun to watch. Like by day three of the senior bowl, like who's he gonna bury today? Right? It's not can he survive, or can he hold up, or can he not get beat again? It's who's he gonna bury today because he was just out there having fun and burying guys, handing them their lunch. And it just didn't seem like any big deal to him. He's very sort of salt of the earth. And I look forward to wherever he lands. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I think there's a good chance that he's going to have a very, very long career in the NFL. Cause you don't show up at the senior bowl and dominate like that without, <laughs> without having yeah. some success. Like it's, it's of all the guys that we see in mobile that have those kinds of weeks. of them end up having good pro careers because it's the best of the best college talent. It absolutely is the best of the best. And if you go there and you dominate the best of the best, like I can think of a comparable in terms of like rep win rate, the comparable one I think of is Aaron Donald who lost maybe one rep his entire week in mobile. Same kind of thing. Not saying he's Aaron Donald, I'm not saying he's a generational prospect like Aaron Donald was, but Donald had that level of success down in Mobile and then was an immediate contributor in the NFL. Quinn Miners can be the exact same thing. So anyway, that's my piece on him. Uh, Who is your next gem? I'm going to go with Cornell Powell. I had trouble narrowing
0: down receivers. I've already talked about Elijah Moore, but there's so many good receivers in this draft. We talked about it being deep at the top. And Cornell Powell was one of those guys that I definitely had seen last year Scouted clemson film he's one of those guys that took a huge jump and we weren't even sure we were gonna get college football this year and watching what cornell powell did last year and watching what he did this year it's not even it doesn't even look like the same player he's one of those guys that took a huge leap um It's almost like the jump between a a rookie and a sophomore player in the NFL, right? Everybody makes that second-year leap, or the players that are really going to excel make a really big jump from their rookie year to their next year. They've adapted. They've been in that pro conditioning program. That's the kind of jump that Cornell Powell made while at Clemson. Then, of course, he goes out this week, and they had pro day. Of course, he's running around with his shirt off, and he looks like a professional wrestler. Man, he was absolutely hammered up and that's what everybody's going to count on people were putting around pictures on twitter and everywhere else saying this guy's a wide receiver he looks like a linebacker and he <laughs> does but i don't really care about that right i want to see what that guy looks like with his jersey on and his helmet on going against quality defensive backs and cornell powell roasted those guys this year and you can say well he's playing with the best quarterback in college football." that's true but that doesn't make you run routes better And in fact, if you run routes better, it makes your quarterback look better because your windows are bigger, he can throw to you, uh, and it makes the catches a little bit easier. But Cornell Powell, terrific all-around wide receiver, and I wrote one of the best in this draft, and that's saying something. We talked about how much talent is in this draft, and watching Powell, he can win all over the field. Very good deep speed, sharp breaks, tracks the deep ball extremely well. Physical through the catch point, that's obvious with his build. He is going to go up and wrestle the ball away from you. Um, Extremely strong once he gets the ball in his hands. He is one of those guys that is looking for yards after the catch, not necessarily by being elusive. He's plenty fast, and he can outrun you if he is behind you. But he can also run through you down on the sidelines. He is going to lower his shoulder and try and run you over because he has no compunction about that. Again, he's built like a linebacker. Um, yeah. Blocks really hard. This is this is one of those wide receiver traits that's gonna that's gonna endear you to me, right? If you are like Heinz Ward, if you are a guy that's gonna go in and get hard nosed and knock people over and blow people out of the way, so that your running back has a nice wide lane, that's Powell. He enjoys getting his elbows out, keeping his hands inside, and pushing defensive backs around because he's bigger than
1: them. Yeah,
0: and in terms of value, you're gonna see. Ten other names that you see, Uh, most of the ones we've talked about, plus, you know, Jamar Chase and all the guys from Alabama. You're going to see all those guys and they're tremendous players. But somebody's going to get Cornell Powell down the board because you can't take a wide receiver every pick (laughs) because there's going to be a bunch (laughs) of quarterbacks taken. There's going to be a bunch of offensive tackles taken. There are going to be teams that need defensive help. We haven't even talked about defenders
1: yet. Have you seen uh, Matt Millen's draft classes? You you, you want to say you can't take receivers every year? I, I, I just mean <laughs> in terms of the overall league in a single year,
0: right? If seven wide receivers got drafted in the first round... You'd be like, wow, that was a lot. And it would be a lot because it would be all wide receivers, offensive tackles, and quarterbacks. There wouldn't be anybody else. And again, somebody else needs a corner, somebody else needs a linebacker or an edge rusher or whatever else. So those guys are gonna there's only 32 slots, no comp picks in the first three or in the first two rounds. So, you know, there's only 32 players. Like you said, is he one of the best 32 players? And he might be, but it's very possible that a guy like Cornell Powell is gonna go on the second day possibly even the third day again if people like singular attributes from their wide receivers if they want somebody a little taller they want somebody a little quicker all around in terms of value it is very hard to beat cornell powell in this draft and he is not getting that kind of love on wide receiver boards but you watch he's going to go in and be fully functional for a team as a number two wide receiver like right away
1: if you subscribe to these kinds of things, which I kind of take it with a grain of salt, but some people really, you know, enjoy it. Uh, pro football focus run blocking grades, which, again, I I look at them to kind of get a general idea. And then I watch myself to be like, do I agree or not? I don't really like just take it at face value, but sure. they, they do have like actual coaches watching this stuff. So it's there's some weight to it. Uh, When you look at Cornell Powell's run blocking grade, it was like 86.5, which is astronomical.
0: For a wide receiver. receiver, it's ridiculous.
1: That would have been like top 18 among all offensive tackles in all of college football out of 130 teams. So out of like, what, 200, somewhere between 250 and 300 offensive tackles that get significant snaps, and he's like, top 20 in run blocking grade, it's pretty insane. Like when you look at Travis Etienne's highlights that we were talking about earlier, a lot of them come behind running from Port- Cordell Powell's side, not to mention the fact that he's an actually good receiver too. It's like, um like he would play like the Alan Lazard role where it's like, I am a dominating run blocker outside that can create a lot of damage, but he's I'm, a better receiver than Lazard. I'm going to say I I can't let that slide. You just compared Cornell Powell to Alan Lazard. No, I'm saying roll. I know. Role.
0: I know. I just, I can't let that slide. Cornell Powell's so much better at one thing than Alan Lazard is. Like blocking, I would say they're comparable. And Lazard is a powerful blocker. But like the other thing, like Powell all day long.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he is a better football player than yeah. Alan Lazard. But in terms of like, if he was gonna go let's I'm just, I gotta keep saying it. If he was gonna go to Green Bay, he would be fighting for Alan Lazard's job because they only put Alan Lazard in the field because he blocks his ass off. If you get a guy like Cordell Powell that also blocks his ass off, but is a better receiver, your offense gets better immediately.
0: Even as demanding as Aaron Rodgers is, and he is famously demanding of his wide receivers. If Green Bay were to draft Cornell Powell and they might because Green Bay is famous for drafting players to piss me off. Aaron (laughs) Jones is a perfect example. I was really high on Aaron Jones. He became a Packer. Okay. Still love Aaron Jones. If Cornell Powell goes to the Packers, he is their number two by opening day. Probably. yeah, And it's not close. Valdez Scantling. Oh, he's, he's better
1: than, he, yeah.
0: Cornell Powell done. blows him up. Lazard blows him up. Like, Devontae's going to be there going, hey, uh, Aaron, we got a guy. Like, we, we got a guy. Like, we got a guy to be over there in that slot. We don't have to, like, wonder or worry if they're going to catch the ball. Like, we got a guy. Like, that would be terribly dangerous. I hate that suggestion. You
1: should bury that. Please clip it out. So, so what they're going <laughs> to do is they're going to draft Cornell Powell, Khalil Herbert. Th- they'll find a way, and then uh, they'll, they'll get. Oh, let's just say Tevin Jenkins is wearing a gas mask, and, and they they get him too, just because. This is my sad face. <laughs> this is my very very sad face.
0: <laughs> oh, don't do that to me. That would be
1: no. That would be horrendous. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm with you. No, there he would be their no, number two really
0: on opening day, and it wouldn't be close. And he would play there five or six years uh, before they had to pay him a lot of money because if you put him with a really good quarterback. I mean, he's been with a very good quarterback, and we saw what happened. You put him with yeah. an even better quarterback, and there, are, there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL. You could say they're clearly better than what he's been playing with in college. And and Rogers is one of them. He he would only be better. Again, he's already running good routes and and winning physically. That would be a matchup problem for a team like Green
1: Bay for sure. I'll just, he fits so many places. A lot of people say like their one hangup on him is speed. Watch the Notre Dame game. Watch the deep post that he catches from DJ uh, Uyunglele. Yeah. I think I got that right for the first time, I, by the way. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, right. it. That was amazing. Um, Catch the deep post. So he's he's like number one uh, on a three-by-one, which like normally quarterbacks don't throw the deep post on that uh, because they can't, but DJ can because his arm <laughs> is crazy. And so he, he runs his deep post against a corner that's peddling. And I was talking to Coach Vass about it. He's like, that's why we don't teach our guys to pedal, because if you go up against a receiver that actually has speed, they'll just run right by your ass, and you're, there's nothing you can do about it. Cornel yeah. Powell runs right by this corner, and there's nothing he can do about it. Like, he's yeah. fast. He's not like, you know, Rondale or Elijah more fast, but he's fast no, enough.
0: <laughs> no, he's not like top 10% fast, but he's deep speed fast. Andy he tracks yeah. the deep ball well because there are guys that are fast that really struggle with the deep ball, especially if it's coming over their shoulder. Um, Powell is a guy that tracks the ball in the air very well, especially deep at speed. And that's very different than tracking it coming across the middle, turning your numbers back to the quarterback. He tracks the ball very well with his back to the quarterback, and he's got good enough speed. He's not slow um and that ability to not slow down because he can track and run at full speed at the same time makes him look a little bit faster i i really like his skill set all over the field he's tough he blocks he can go deep he can go across the middle you don't have to worry about him taking a shot because
1: he's built like a tank um really really good player underrated for sure yeah he's he's gonna go higher than people think i could tell you that much um my last gem is somebody who it's tough to say because there's a medical component to this. And I, I was talking to a buddy of mine that works for a team and I asked him, are you guys going to be able to do medicals? And and he seemed confident that they were. Um, I don't know what the, cause I don't think there's an, any sort of like recheck. Like normally there's a recheck in India every single year. I don't think they're doing that. So I think it's mm-hmm. like, I, from what I've heard, it's like you go to a doctor and then they send it. Or if you're able to do any sort of, visits whether it's at a school or i i don't exactly know how they're doing it but he said they were going to be fine on medicals so i'm assuming that pat Fryermuth, the tight end from penn state will be okay or at least medically cleared by the time the draft rolls around that screwed a lot of kids last year that didn't get the recheck from the combine i think the nfl is more prepared for it this year i think they have a plan in place so uh i think his torn labor from his shoulder won't be as big a big of an issue as as it would have been if he came out last year which would have tanked him all speculation aside um but so he only played for i think it was four games for penn state this year but he played through that torn labrum and then they started you know one and four one and five whatever it was they were out of it so they shut him down for the year they're like look go get healthy you're gonna get drafted you're one of the best tight ends in the country we don't want to ruin you we're not playing for anything go get healthy and he did he got surgery Supposedly, he's going to be perfectly fine by um, at least mostly fine by his pro day, which is later this month in a couple weeks. He's running. Or he's doing everything except, I think, the vert and the bench press, because, again, he's coming off that, uh, that shoulder thing. Um, but it's supposedly he's going to be totally fine by training camp. Now, getting the medical stuff out of the way as a player, he's the second best tight end in this class. And he is so far above everybody else not named Kyle Pitts. Like it's not even a discussion. He's an exceptional run blocker, which the fact that he was able to block that well with one shoulder is incredible to me. Yeah. Way better athlete than people think like not sneaky athletic. He is just flat out athletic, Uh, excellent size, catch radius hands. Like he is a complete Y tight end. I think he's better than every tight end that came out last year. By a fair margin, I think Cole Komet was the first one drafted, if I remember correctly. He's better than Cole Komet by a lot. I, you know, People call him Baby Gronk. I don't think he's Baby Gronk because they're built differently and they run routes differently. Like they just move differently. What I do think he is is Baby Kelsey, and that's <laughs> very high praise. But athletically, he's so smooth, so quick, despite his size. Maybe not quite the long speed of Travis, but in terms of just how he gets in and out of breaks, how he dominates with leverage, how he blocks his ass off, because Travis is a much better blocker than people give him credit for. Mm. You can put him in the slot. You can put him at Y. You can put him at H back. You could even put him out wide if you really want to. He is a do-it-all tight end that if Kyle Pitts didn't exist in this class would be so far away in the number one tight end, it it would make your head spin. I think he's going to be a much better pro than people think. And I think we're going to look back in like two or three years and say like, how the hell did he get out of the first round? Hmm. I, I'm going to have him in the first round in my mock draft. I don't know where yet, but I just, I refuse to believe that there's that many better football players than him in this class. So I'm going to find a way to get him in the first round. I would be willing to bet that because of the position he plays and the medical aspect, he might not go in the first round. But again, we're going to look back in a few years and be like, that dude's a first round pick. He's He's way too good to slip. Yeah, I like Friar Muth. I don't like
0: him quite as much as you do. But again, that's sort of hyperbolic praise. I do think he's better than Cole Komet. Um, I don't see quite as much long speed as you do. He is athletic, but um, maybe not to that level. He is right up at the top tier of tight ends. And probably, yes, tight end number two. I just don't see as big a gap. So we're we're splitting hairs here. Very good player. Amazing that he could block with his labrum torn with his shoulder screwed up. Um, he is going to get healthy. I think, uh, if I'm thinking about pro comps, it's, uh, I think he's a, a little less mobile than a guy like Tyler Eifert, but again, Tyler Eifert, when he was healthy (laughs) and Tyler
1: Eifert, when he was healthy, was different. Yes. I mean, (laughs) yes. And (laughs) I think different,
0: I think those two guys are, are similar. And again, if Firemouth's shoulder heals up properly and he comes in healthy i think he could have a young eifert like impact uh, again if he stays healthy and that's not faint praise right <laughs> young eifert was like whoa this guy is going to be at the top tier was at the top tier was in the top four or five tight ends in the entire league and firemouth i think has that kind of ability doesn't mean he's necessarily going to ascend to that height but he has the potential to do it because he does have that all-around skill set um and again eifert wasn't blazing fast right he was good in all areas of the field but he wasn't you know super speedy and farm isn't super speedy either but he is really athletic you see that when he goes up for balls he's got a great vertical jump good reach um again amazing that he could get his hand up as high as he could for some of those balls with a torn labrum that had to hurt like a mother so you know with all
1: shots, man yeah those those needles Mm. do do work <laughs> so
0: i hope he comes in healthy extremely talented player um somebody that people are sleeping on a little bit because he shut it down early um there's another tight end like that in this class who we'll talk about a little bit later not necessarily in this episode but
1: um yeah he played at byu and he's a lot of fun so, byu had a lot of dudes that people like it, it wasn't just zach wilson no that much yeah you better look on the defensive side too yeah defensive
0: side there's some fun dudes there that are uh you know bargain bargain uh versions of players that are gonna go much higher in the draft so
1: who's your uh i actually can't remember who you put down who's your last uh gem (laughs) i had to pick a running back
0: Everybody that knows me knows that I love running backs and I, I hold running back tape for the end of draft season. It's the little carrot on the stick that gets me through like late nights of grinding through like, you know, fifth round guards. (laughs) So (laughs) I have not watched a lot of running back tape. And for this, I actually got to watch running back tape and it was so awesome. So my running back is Kylan Hill from Mississippi state, who is Mm. incredibly talented and is just a bundle of energy. He's always doing something. You see some running backs, and they just kind of cruise or they float. There's a million different ways to get it done at running back. That's not him. He does everything at full speed, and he's always doing something. Just ridiculously sudden. So much stop and start in his game, and it's electric quick. He gets people with it all the time. Loves the shortest distance between two points. I know that sounds simple, uh, but it's not. There's a play against Alabama where they hand him the ball, He's moving uh, right to left, and he just stops and hops through the middle of the line for two and a half yards. Nobody touches him and just jumps into the end zone, and it looks like the easiest thing in the world. And you think, why doesn't everybody do that against Alabama? And then you realize, because not everybody can. Um, So great balance, snap cuts, power. You see him drag guys. You see him run through arm tackles, uh, burst. He is my favorite quote about him is he's patient until he's not. Like he shows <laughs> patience behind the line, and then it's just boom, he's gone. He's through the gap, and people are trying to catch him because he's got very good speed. Again, not Travis Etienne speed, but very good speed. And when you mix it with everything else, the suddenness, the ability to cut, the stop start, the power, he's very difficult to bring down. Can run between the tackles or outside the tackles, doesn't matter. He's got enough speed to get around the edge and enough, again, patience balance, burst, power to run between tackles very, very well. And he's also really effective in the passing game. One of my favorite things, he's got great hands. He will go deep. He'll run the wheel. Uh, he's not just a little backfield dump-off guy or a leak guy, a uh, little Texas route guy. He will absolutely there's – there's an amazing play. Uh, I forget the opponent. Starts out in the backfield, basically scrapes the tight end, just barely gets wide of the tight end, then shoots straight up field – Quarterback hits him with the ball immediately. Like he has to turn as he's clearing the linebacker, flashes hands up, catch the ball, and gets hit by the safety. Everything happens within about a second and a half. Um, makes it look easy. And there are not a lot of running backs that can catch the ball like that. So I love Kylan Hill for his versatility. Again, he can win inside, outside, power, speed, cuts, stop, start, passing game, running game, good blocker, great build, about 5'10, 5, 5'11, 5, 213, 215. Just, just right in that running back envelope, and nobody's talking about him. Like you say, top five yeah. running backs in this class, nobody says anything. You say top ten running backs in this class, his name not might not come up. That's wrong. He's really, really skilled.
1: He's, uh, he's one of those guys that it's unfortunate for him that the combine isn't happening this year because I think if people saw him go through the Deuce Daily drill, they'd be like, oh shit. That's different. Wow, I need to go back and look at his tape. Yeah, it would be the same thing that happened with Cam Akers last year. Everybody liked Cam Akers. Like, Everybody really liked Cam Akers. But then you saw him go through that drill and you're like, oh, that's special. He could do
0: more than he did in college. And the thing is,
1: Alan Hill did a ton in college.
0: And yes, he might be able to do more, especially with a creative offensive coordinator that's willing to use him in all those aspects because there's literally
1: nothing he can't do from the running back position. It's just like, especially at that position, I place such a premium on stop, start, lower body explosion. Um, And and explosiveness can be in more than one ways. It's not just, you know, in a straight line, are you going in the first 10 yards really quickly, which he does. It's not just, you know, can you plant with your right and then step off your left, you know, the stop foot, go foot to be able to like laterally change direction, which he can. But it's also, I, I think, explosiveness to counteract downward force you know it's like what's the like the guys that are falling around his legs that are literally dragging him downward it's like just adding extra weight and the explosiveness to be able to just keep putting your feet in the ground one after another not going down it's not necessarily contact balance it's like contact strength yeah contact power when you have literally somebody on your legs holding you down and you just still have the pistons firing like that's that's also explosiveness to me and that's why i think like his jumping numbers i don't know if they've done their pro day yet but his jumping numbers are going to be nuts because his his lower body is just incredibly strong not just in terms of being able to you know carry weight but in terms of being able to effectively explode and uncoil like I mean, I his short his fast twitch muscle fibers just his whole his entire lower body is fast twitch muscle fibers. He is wired again,
0: he, differently as an yeah, athlete. Yeah. Like you see the stuff he does on film. And again, at the top, when I said he's always doing something and it's always at full speed, it makes him so difficult to defend because he will be running outside at full speed and then plant and run at full side full speed inside, and there's no gap in between like bup up up. I got to change direction. It's bang, bang, bang hard to the outside. You're driving to try and catch him. And then he just goes bang, bang, bang hard to the inside. And it was, it's a liquid turn. And you guys just kind of go, huh? And then he hits them with that momentum, with speed and power. And they, they can't hang on. They're just completely discombobulated. And because he's constantly switching things up, you see some running backs, they have one move, right? They get outside, they turn up, they put their foot in the ground. That's their move. And after that, they're just, trying to outrun guys or drag guys he's making a move to get past the line he's making a move to get through the line he's making a move on the linebacker he's spinning and then running over a defensive back and then dragging him with that power like it's stringing things together physically that you just don't see from many athletes on the football field at any position and he can do them all fast and hard and at a high level and when you see that on tape and it's not just one, like he'll do it multiple times a game. It's regular business for him. Very impressive athlete. Tremendously impressive runner is going to make any team that he shows up on better.
1: Yeah. He's the kind of guy that is literally top of the argument for why you don't take running backs early, unless they are absolutely ridiculously special, like a Saquon Barkley, because he's going to be the guy that goes a hundred 150 picks later and is still showing those special traits in the NFL and still being productive just as much as the guys that are going. Yep. Way earlier you can him. get them terrible in terms of down the board. And we saw last year that one of
0: the most predictive, productive rookie running back was a UDFA.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so. every single year we see it. And I think he's, he's going to be just like with Khalil Herbert. Those two, I think are going to be like the poster children for running back value and i i bet kyle and hill goes lower than khalil herbert and
0: again depending on situation he will be just as if not more productive and we both love herbert we just talked about yeah. him. hill's gonna go later and do this same thing if he gets in a run oriented system or any system that uses the running back i don't want to say a run oriented system because he's really good in the passing game too if he gets with a creative oc that uses him well he i bet he outproduces herbert and herbert's mm. really good
1: yeah. I mean, Herbert got to run behind a top 15 pick at left tackle and I can't say the same for Kylan Hill. So <laughs> it's no. different stuff around him. Absolutely different stuff around him. Um, why don't we get into some honorable mentions before we get out of here? I'll read off my five and then you could read off your five. Um, these are guys that we really wanted to to kind of fit into our list, but we just, we couldn't find the room. I got Landon Dickerson, who's Whether you want to be center or guard doesn't even matter. He's just a monstrous human being, all effort, all the time. He actively hates defensive linemen and will make sure they know it throughout the game, just plays with a different level of nastiness. He's going to be a locker room leader from the first day. Impeccable character. Everybody that's ever talked to him has said so. Uh, and again, he's just massive and strong and technically proficient. Very good interior offensive lineman. I'd probably put him at guard over center, depending on the system. But again, he, he could play anything. Uh, Dimitri Felton, who I've talked about endlessly and will continue to talk about endlessly as kind of a running back slash receiver, doesn't really matter what position you play him at. He's going to be successful. He was one of the best route runners down in Mobile out of anybody there. He's started at UCLA as a receiver, then went to running back because they needed him at running back had tremendous amounts of success there. When you look at, um, you know, yards from scrimmage per game, which I mentioned earlier with Khalil, Her- Khalil, Herbert, he was above Khalil Herbert on yards per scrimmage per game, uh, while playing, I think it was like six or seven games. So it's not like it was a three game sample. Like some of the guys on that list, like played a decent amount of games and was extraordinarily productive. Um, and again, you know, you you can put him in slot. You can put him in as a true running back, and he'll you know you could rip off ten carries with him, and he, he'll be fine. I don't exactly know what he's going to play in the NFL, but I know he's going to be good at it. So to me, I'm having him on there uh, as my five. Tamarian and Terry, who I've also also talked about before, I see him as like a again, this is high praise, but I was higher on this guy than a lot of people coming out. That's DK Metcalf. I see him as like a diet DK Metcalf. And I think when you look at height, weight, speed, 6'4", 215, 4'3", like he was reaching top speeds on the accelerometers that even Tyreek Hill has never hit as a pro. Like he's got legitimate juice, not to mention he's a better route runner than people give him credit for. He was dealing with some injury issues, so he had a, a really rough 2020. But if you go back and you look at 2019, he was absolutely destroying C.J. Henderson, which is, I think, one of the games that you watched with C.J. Henderson. You're like, I don't know about this dude. Tamarian Terry is the reason why. Like, he absolutely crushed him. So I have him as number three. Number four, Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, Eskridge, excuse me. Another senior Bowl guy who was absolutely uncoverable down in Mobile. A little bit older prospect. He's got uh, some hand-size concerns, but just when you when you watch how he separates – phenomenal route runner extremely quick in and out of breaks again he's explosive in the lower body he's got really fluid hips so he, he doesn't really turn like a battleship like uh like like some receivers do it is like just instant it's like uh what do you, like what's like the etch a sketch where it's like i'm here and then i'm here you know <laughs> he's really really quick uh, especially on in breaking routes mean it, so mean it kimes appreciate your etch a sketch reference <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's really good and um I think he's going to go higher than people think, you know, age be damned, hand size be damned. Like he just, he separates. He's explosive. He's explosive. And then number five, I got Brady Christensen who just, when you look at the metrics, I mean, he was one of the best pass protectors in all of college football at any level. He barely ever gave up pressures Uh, in the run game. He was as solid as they come especially on outside zone stuff, because he's so athletic, he was able to get outside and seal off defensive ends. And, you know, people, when they watch Zach Wilson, they're like, man, some of these pockets are like four or five seconds. Well, he's why <laughs> like he, he never yeah. really gave up pressure. And, you know, I mentioned him potentially being in play for the Chiefs at 31 as like OT six or OT seven, whatever he ends up being. That doesn't mean that you know he's not a first round caliber tackle just because i have him at like ot6 or ot7 that just means there's a lot of really damn good tackles in this class in any normal year he'd be a first round lock and i think when you when you see his athletic testing numbers i think when you just look at you know how little he lost like i don't care who's who's going up against like he never lost in pass pro he's a hard guy to dislike so those are my five honorable mentions what about you
0: yeah i'm glad you fit Christensen in there. If he fits going to be super important for him. And again, you nailed it.
1: Outside zone
0: teams are going to salivate over him, his measurables and his production in that system. He is a, he's one of those guys that is a lock for that system. And people are going to look at people that run that system are going to be like, we want this guy, whether it's to be a starting tackle or whether it's to third tackle that'll grow in to replace their more expensive starter. Like he's, he's going to be sought after. So Super glad you grabbed him. Terrace Marshall was my hardest cut. Uh, I believe Terrace Marshall is AJ Brown to a guy you mentioned, DK Metcalf. Right when they mm. were coming out, people were concentrating on Metcalf, and it was like, "Hey, this AJ Brown guy's—he's really good too." And this year, it's Jamar Chase, and everybody's—you know—he's in his everybody's top three receivers at LSU, and everybody's like Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, and rightfully so, very good player. But if you look across from him, Terrace Marshall is nothing to be sneezed at. I think he's going to be a very productive pro in the in the sort of mold of A.J. Brown. Big, fast guy, can get down the field, runs better routes than people think, um, is not super developed as a blocker, but he tries, and he's got the frame to be able to do it. I, I just think he can do a lot more than he did at LSU. And I know we say that about LSU receivers every year. We say it about Racy McMath this year. Like It's a very common refrain, but Terrace Marshall looks prime to be a very productive pro, Um, and he's got all the tools. A little more love for the offensive tackle class, Deontay Smith from East Carolina, another guy that played at a bit of a smaller school, went to the Senior Bowl and is just oodles of tools. He is tall. He is athletic. He moves his feet like a tight end. He's really really good that way and had better success in the one-on-ones shutting people down they played him at both tackle and guard at the senior bowl had i think better success than i thought he would have at guard and was really good at tackle like had some quality reps against some of the best rushers down there maybe let people know he's not as far away or not as much as a project as people thought coming in originally they thought just tools and we saw a guy like that in steel last year who was just all length and arms and we Mm -hmm. thought "Ah," and then we watched him and we were like "Ah, he is a project like somebody could take him on because he's got tons of tools deontay smith has got tons of tools but also put some really good reps together and you can see the balance you can see the length you can see the punch like deontay smith is going to be somebody's starting tackle in a year or two and i for one won't be surprised Another guy from the tackle class, James Hudson from Cincinnati. So yeah. damn quick. You watch yeah. him against really good rushers and shuts him down. In the game I watched, he got kicked out around halftime. And uh, it was against uh, Georgia. And Aziz Ojolari didn't have a ton of success, who's a really good rusher, didn't have a ton of success, had some good rushes in the first half. But Hudson basically played him, you know, tip for tat to kind of a standstill. Uh, the guy that's going to be selling insurance next year came in to replace Hudson <laughs> and Ojolari abused him regularly. Yeah. And it was very clear how much Hudson had been doing in the first half um, with what Ojolari did to his replacement. That, in the that was half.
1: one of the games that I watched for Ojolari. That was one of the games I watched uh, for him. And I remember thinking like, wow, man, he's really coming on strong in the end. <laughs> <And then> I, <laughs> Went back and I I looked at some of the earlier reps. I was like, Is he doing something different? And then I was like, Oh, wait, that that number's different. No, he's it's a different tackle. He's doing somebody different and he's doing (laughs) him dirty. Yeah, he he just I felt
0: bad for that guy by the end, by the end of the tape. I was like, Just stop, just call the fight, throw the towel. He's whooping your tail. Um, so Hudson's a ton of fun, like him a lot. And then Kenny Eboa who's the tight end for Old Miss, and they use him. His versatility is something else. He's He's got good height, great length, really good speed, runs routes like a wide receiver, very sharp routes for a tight end, especially a little three-yard slant and cut. Um, good hands catcher, but they line him up in line. They line him up in the slot. They line him up out wide. They line him up at fullback about 30% of the time and have him block, block on little counter plays, and he blocks his tail off. He's maybe the best two-way tight end in the draft because most two-way tight ends, they do something great and they kind of do the other thing. Oh, he's a great blocker and yeah, he can catch a little bit or man, he's an amazing receiver and he, you know, he gets in the way enough on blocking and that's a two-way tight end these days. Here's a guy that's blocking 30 or 40% of the time, whether or not he's lined up in the fullback position or in line um, and running deep routes, seam routes. Uh, little leak routes, um, just a huge variety and versatility of where he lines up, the type of routes he runs, whether he's blocking, whether he's catching, and he can do it all at a high level. I think he's going to be a really good value for somebody. Um, and yeah. then my last one's Kellen Mon. Kellen Mon is my guy down the board that people are sleeping on. Uh, I've had a very wide range of reactions. Uh, you and I have had this conversation. Everybody's like consistency, consistency. And yeah, early on in his career, he struggled with consistency, but his arc reminds me very much of Jalen Hurts, right? He came on with a lot of fanfare. He's played for many years at Texas A&M. He's been around. Everybody knows Kellen Maughan and has seen tape of him with the wide receivers that have come out of there. And he was not great as a younger player and the jump he made between last year and this year. In terms of consistency, he's obviously got physical tools. He's tall. He's got a good arm, uh, can certainly hit NFL throws, deep outs, things like that. He's very mobile. And his consistency to me was the thing that everybody harped on. But this year was much better. Is it perfect? No. This is a guy that's going to go middle rounds to later rounds. But I think if you're going to gamble on one of those guys, Mond is a guy to look at because he has the things that a modern NFL quarterback needs to survive, especially as a young quarterback. And he has progressed every year. The consistency's gotten better. The arm angle's gotten better. The decision making was always pretty good. This year, it was really sharp. Uh, The speed, the processor speed seemed to be a tick faster as well. So I think he's a guy that's being slept on because I think people made up their mind two or three years ago and were like, ah, and maybe didn't watch all the tape from this year. And, you know, or maybe they just weight things differently than I do. But I like Mond as that down-the-board guy that you're going to gamble on, uh, either put on the practice squad or as QB3 and who could grow into something worthwhile,
1: even if it's a backup. Uh, I I think Mond's progression is – hugely uh, influenced by Jimbo Fisher, you know, taking this Mm -hmm. kid on when he was what a sophomore, I think it was. And as you said, he's gotten better every single year. You know, if we had, if he came out as a junior, I would have been like, no way. No, absolutely not. The senior year did him well. and And you were banging this drum like two months ago. And so I went back and watched him and he, I watched two extra games and he made some throws. I can't remember what team it was, but he uncorked this, like, fade like 55 yards down the field dropped it in the bucket I was like oh shit that's he didn't used to do that I mean he did it every once in a while but he didn't do it once a game and you know in the senior year he's making throws like that once a game where again it's just kind of smoothing out the inconsistency it's not perfect yet but now it's not bad game good game now it's good series, good series, iffy series, good series, bad series, good series, good series. You know, it's, it's less and less stalling. And that was my, my thing with him is like ju- sophomore, junior year, he would stall for a long time. And that, that yep. really got smoothed out senior year. He was making more consistent throws, especially deep down the field. As you said, the processor seemed a little bit quicker. And I think it was just him and in, in, you know, getting more comfortable. Um, And, yeah, I think he had a really good senior bowl as well that was super valuable for him. I think, you know, where would I want him to go? It's tough to say because we always say progression isn't linear, but he's linearly progressed in a positive (laughs) manner, and so I want him to go somewhere that can kind of continue that. So I want him to go somewhere, honestly, that won't make him start immediately. No, no, no. no. I, I think if you take his talent and you let him sit, like, Pat Mahomes did, and you give him that opportunity to learn and make mistakes in practice against NFL speed, and then look at like a year two type thing like Pat got. Because Pat made a ton of mistakes in practice his rookie year, but he he wasn't having to play. And Andy Reid made it a point to have him just try everything in practice and see, like, go get picked. It's better to get picked here than picked on the field. And then Pat learned what I can get away with, what I can't. I want that kind of situation for Kellen Mond because he's got really good talent but i think he needs to learn what can i get away with in the pros and what can i not get away with uh so i i i don't exactly know what situation is good for maybe pittsburgh but well i here's the thing
0: i i don't want him to have to start so it's and i think this team will probably pick a quarterback high which would not be him but i would love to see him in like atlanta with arthur smith yeah Right. Yeah. But again, not as the heir apparent to Matt Ryan, as the as the guy that sat behind whoever that guy is going to be, because presumably they're going to pick that guy up high or maybe they just are you know sitting and they'll pick a guy next year. If Arthur Smith had not left Tennessee, I think sitting behind a guy like Ryan Tannehill with a guy like Arthur Smith talking in your ear and talking to Tannehill, because, again, they both went to the same school, which is neither here nor there, but both athletic guys, tall, rangy who progressed uh, as their quarterback careers went on. I think that could be really valuable. I want to see him sitting behind a player that is more like him. I do not, you know, do not want to see him sitting behind – you know, Kirk Garoppolo. Cousins, Kirk Cousins, Garoppolo, like yeah. that's that's not the kind of guy. And and neither do I really want to see him sitting behind a guy like Kyler. Right. Because it's like, well, you could do like 60 percent of that, but don't try and do that because you won't be successful. Right. Don't play that game. I would rather see him sit behind um, somebody that has a like skill set and with an offensive coordinator that understands that you're building a really quality backup here or a guy that could, you know, spot start four or five games and not get you killed. Like that's your, that's your aim. If he ascends past that, that's just gravy, right? If you're picking him in the fourth Mm. or fifth round.
1: I got it. Okay. Because they already have quarterback figured out for 2021. Sure. And they really need to use that high pick on receiver instead. Yeah. Kellen Mond backing up Cam Newton in new England. Cam Newton's could, a great teammate. He would I could absolutely see it. teach him.
0: Yeah. No, I could absolutely see it. Um, I'm not super wild with what generally there's a few exceptional examples, but not super wild with what New England's done with backup quarterbacks in general. Um, even even Jimmy, right? Uh, but they, they've had a lot more misses there than they've had hits, but it would be interesting to see them take that type of player because that's not the type of backup quarterback that they've picked in New England, right? Guy with range, guy guy that's, uh has more running skill. Um, that's typically not kind of the New England model. But I behind Cam, I love that idea because of the experience, because of the physical similarity. Look, Kellen Mond is not Cam physically, but they both move at, the, at Cam's reduced Mobility rate, Kellen Mond's it's, probably pretty
1: close. <laughs> but, you know, they did add. I know they don't typically take quarterbacks that that have mobility, but they opened up the offense to include Cam's mobility in it last year. So I feel mm-hmm. like if you have a backup like Mond and Cam goes down again for whatever reason, sure, you don't have to throw out the playbook with Kellen Mond. Like yeah, you can still I still do that yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: I think that's true. Uh, And that's a, that's a really good point. I don't like having backups that are so different. Um, For instance, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, right? You cannot do the same things with Foles. He's not physically capable of running a rollout game. Like it's not going to work. He's going to get crushed. So you have to change your playbook functionally because you've gone to the backup. That's a heavy load for a team to, to do, especially on like a short week. Um, So I like quarterbacks that are more like in that you can, um, maybe only shutter, you know, 10% or 20% of the playbook, but you keep most of it, you keep the core of it. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see where he lands and how he progresses, or if he does again, situation for all these guys is tremendously important, but for quarterbacks, even more so. So, um, hope you guys love the offensive gems episode. We had a ton of fun putting it together. Um, certainly throw some comments in there about your offensive gems. We'd love to hear it. Uh, we'd love the feedback and the interaction. If you want to take shots at ours, that's fine. Um, we're happy to hear it again. There's so much talent that we didn't even get a chance to touch on. We're talking about 20 guys out of you know 250 or 70 that are going to get drafted. So, just some guys we really like whose tape we had a ton of fun watching. Uh, but we hope you had fun watching this and uh, we'll have the defensive one following this up pretty quickly and tons more draft content throughout the season. We'll try and actually have a live stream reaction for both. Once we've got offense and defense out there, we'll have like a 10 gems live stream reaction, which will really just turn into a draft Q and a, uh, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, you guys can react and and roast us in a live stream. That'll be fun too. So uh, any closing thoughts? What do you got? You said you got a couple film rooms coming out, Brett,
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go record those tonight because I got to do demo in my house tomorrow for some home projects. So I'm recording as much on camera as I can before my house gets destroyed. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get real drunk tonight, EJ. Not on purpose. It's for work. It's tax deductible drunkenness. you know i hadn't thought of that particular aspect but i'm very excited by the prospect so no uh
0: no we will we will talk to you guys soon draft season rolls on uh thanks for sticking with us uh as always let us know in the comments how we're doing and let us know what you want to see we don't have all of draft season booked up yet and we want to be putting out content that you you folks want to consume so uh if you've got something you want to see us do uh let us know we've got some of our best ideas ever from from listeners and and watchers so please do that um and we'll talk to you soon
1: later